Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today I have a very special guest. I have author Margaret O'Connor. Margaret O'Connor has a book, Scandal in the Shadows, the Original Priest, Mother Mary. Now, Miss O'Connor, would you please tell the audience about yourself so that they can have a little background to go on before, for this book? Sure, JR. Um, I have a Master's of Science from the University of Buffalo, a Master's of Arts in uh, Pastoral Ministry from Christ the King Seminary in East Aurora, New York. I was a former chaplain, and now I'm a Eucharistic minister. And I just want to thank you very much for having me on your show today. Uh, unfortunately, many people feel that this might be a controversial subject, but I just want to assure your listeners that what I'm saying is the truth, and it comes from biblical research, which is pretty neat, because, you know, you think you pretty much know a particular subject area, and then after biblical research happens, uh, many times... Uh, a new uh, truth comes from that. And the title of my book is Scandal in the Shadows, the Original Priest, Mary Mother. And the word scandal can also mean omission. So it's basically the Catholic Church hierarchy has omitted uh, parts of the original church's history and not really acknowledging, yes, there were not only women priests, but there were women bishops and women deacons. And uh, if anyone is familiar with the Catholic Church, from the time you're little, you've been told there definitely were never any woman priests. But what happened out of this research, which really excited me, was Mary, Mother of God, Jesus's mother, she actually was a woman priest. She was called Mary Priest, and her title was the model of all priesthood in the Catholic Church. So priests would actually be praying to Mary. Oh, wow. So yeah, so it, it, it's just, it, it astounded me. But the controversy, unfortunately, comes in with uh, so many people have obviously only heard one side that there absolutely were never any woman priests. And then, as I say, you get into the uh, biblical research and we've got woman bishops. I mean, this blew my mind really when I first discovered it. Okay, um, well, let me ask you a question real quick then. So, um, in this biblical research, or um, you know, I'm an avid reader of uh, every all all walks of religion, uh, spirituality books, and everything like that. Um, was this information um, derived from the Torah, the King James version? Like, where did you get this this research? Where did you find this? Uh, what, what source material did you have? Okay, I read several different books that were written by a Catholic priest woman uh, Catholic religious, as well as other, um, you know, ministers from other faith denominations. And John Wiesger, he himself was a former priest. And he actually, in his book, The Ordination of Woman in the Catholic Church, has a whole chapter on Mary Priest. 
And I'll tell you, JR, when I read it, I was just so excited, but I, I really had to do a double take. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did, did I just read, see on the page what I read? But it just brings your whole faith life. If you're a woman, it, it's so exciting because this was the one avenue, your own spirituality, that it was basically stopped that you knew if you were a Catholic woman, well, if you had aspirations to be a woman priest, obviously that was going nowhere. You would actually have to uh, be a member of a, uh, another, you know, faith denomination, which Correct. does um, allow woman priests. But when you think of it, it's like a whole religious heritage that was taken away. And what do I mean by that? Um, let me just give you a quick example. Um, okay. Being Irish, there always were, well, before the priest shortage, there was families. Say uh, Christopher was a priest and maybe Sean was a bishop. Well, okay. obviously, if you were a young boy, you always had a role model as a priest. But if you were a girl... Well, where what there were no women priests, and I remember my mother bought my brother Paul a cardboard replica of a regular church altar. So Paul was the priest, and my twin sister Pat and myself we acted like the parishioners. Well, of course, there came a certain point where we wanted to take over the role as priest. <laughs> Paul was saying, "No, you can't be priest. That's a." that's a man's role. You have to be a man. So that was my like earliest introduction, you know, realizing there was that disparity there. Yeah. So, yeah. So here goes my question for you. Um, so that obviously right there, you answered a question I'm going to ask you. That's what kind of probably inspired you to look into this more. But what, what, what point in your adulthood did you start uh, asking more questions about why there aren't any female priests? Well, actually, through the years, there were I heard people talking. There were women priests, but I hadn't really gotten into, you know, checking out further, you know, like research, reading. Uh, but I was very interested in it. And then in the 80s, there's a, a Catholic a sister, a Joan Chittister. This lady is a live wire. She could direct the Pope. <laughs> oh, wow. What he should be doing. Uh, but no, she she's really a brilliant woman, but she was talking about woman priests. And of course, that that piqued up my curiosity, obviously, on the subject. And then when I finally found that this fact was truth indeed, I really had a wrestle with the fact that I had been lied to by all people, my own church. In other words, any woman in the Catholic church they have been lied to. There's this um, betrayal of their own trust. So I had to decide, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay resigned right in this awful feeling that, you know, I've been lied to? Or is there any way, some way I could bring change? But then it hit me. I'm obviously just one person out of millions of Catholics. And I don't care if we're talking about right here in the U.S., but what about worldwide? What about in Australia? What about in Ireland? You know, wherever you go in Europe, 
Um, these Catholics have absolutely no idea that this other side of Mary exists. This whole other like hidden history, it lies within the shadows of our Catholic church history. And as well, there are the, uh, you know, people think of, oh gee, church history, that's gotta be <laughs> real dry or boring. But I guess that depends on the skeletons that you find in, in that church's closets. And I personally find it very offending that the Catholic Church actually took away that title of Mary Priest. They took away any devotion to her back uh, between, say, 1926, 1927. And I mean, that's fairly recent in 2000 years of church history. Right. So um, uh, John Winchgaard's even brought up the fact you know, why is this so? Well, he did mention it could be a coincidence that at that same year, there were other uh, women from different faith uh, uh, religions that were aspiring to be woman priest. So, uh, I mean, you, you can just, you know, you don't want to make assumptions, but you can pretty well surmise that uh, if this information is buried, well, then um, this issue of woman priest isn't even an issue. And that's how it's basically gone down through the centuries. Um, Rome is not being bombarded by <laughs> uh, the paparazzi. I mean, you know, the press asking them, well, why? Well, there never were women priests, so who's going to be asking them? But I think any woman in the Catholic Church deserves at minimal at least the truth. And and I understand that I, I wholeheartedly agree because, like you said, that's odd. I mean, not odd, but it's really uh, unraveling. It kind of would just rock your soul. You know, like you said, a whole a whole bit of history just omitted, like just erased, covered up. Like it's a it's a mass cover up, and, and that's that would just you know as as um, I'm not a woman, but as a person to know that there's a bit of history that could empower me and could have me doing more than what I believe I can do, um, that would be kind of that would that would make me feel really bitter towards my religion because it would make me think that there's someone at the top that really made it a point to be very chauvinistic about all this, you know? Because like you said, the time frame um, that you gave out that's still modern history, you know what I mean? Yes, and it's very interesting that you just mentioned about you know that certain point that you might think you know, men that, you know, they're making all the decisions. Um, if you look further into this, uh, the Pope has his own commission and it's called uh, the Pontifical Biblical Commission. And here again, real recent, back in 1976, they did a study and this commission of the Popes came out and they said there's basically no reason why a woman can't be ordained and yet what did they do with this information they've sat on it okay let's go back two years before then let's go back to 74 okay. there was another commission that was looking into the issue of women as deacons in the history of the catholic church and <clears throat> there's these three greek studies that were all real early in the church history 
they were all in agreement that yes, there were, were woman deaconesses. And they mentioned whether it was the man that was gonna be a deacon or a woman, they were both on the altar. They were in the presence of the bishop. The bishop would lay hands over them. He would, you know, officiate in prayers. Yes. And a stole would be placed around each of their necks. And as well, each of them would be given the, the cup, the chalice to drink from. So my question is, that came out, this commission's findings in 1974. Why did Pope Francis, our present Pope, why did he in 2016 have to start a brand new commission on this same subject matter? And miraculously, this didn't go anywhere. And now what I hear is they're going to convene another commission, but unfortunately, the people on this commission are more of the status quo. Uh So obviously that's going to probably stall out. But seriously, I I call, who are these so-called men of God when they can't even follow their own commission's findings? And let's go back even further into the Bible they have just completely ignored Jesus's own words on woman's equality. Whether it's in Galatians 3.28, there is no man or woman, all are one in Christ Jesus. Or uh, back in Genesis uh, 1.27, that uh, in the divine image, God created them, woman and men. Um, so they're not even following Jesus's words towards equality. They haven't followed their own commissions. And then there was a, it was called Vatican II. And it was basically a, um, a commission uh, looking into uh, the church to try to like modernize the church. And there was a, a real um, informative Pope then, John the 23rd. And he basically said in so many words, let's open up the windows of the church. (laughs) Let's see the signs of the times. So uh, I can remember that. And there was like real hope. There was like excitement, you know, things were going to change for the better and um, not to um, take away from the tradition, but to see how we could, you know, improve on that. And that's a big thing right away that people say, oh, especially Rome, we can't have women priests today because we would have to change the tradition. Yet, J.R., it was the early church fathers that changed that tradition when they removed women from their early positions as women priests, women bishops women deacons, and they were very creative in how they did that. Um, The law, the church law, not Jesus's law, the man-made law is called canon law. And what they did was they explicitly said that women were no longer allowed to be up on the altar. So, I mean, obviously that could put the kibosh on everything. You know, they, they couldn't be on the altar. Um, it's unreal. I mean, as a woman, when you go back, and to me, this is all very calculated. 
because they understand what Jesus said. They understand what their commissions have said. Vatican II went even further. There was an Article 29 in the Constitution on the Church in the Modern World, and it regarded uh, the laity. That's the like average everyday Catholic that would you know sit out in the pews when you go to church. And they said basically they wanted to eliminate any type of discrimination in the church. Well, hello. I mean, if they would have done that, they would have like opened the doors for a woman. And that was ignored. So it's like, to me, it is. It's very calculating. It's very deliberate. And it's very sad that uh, these so-called men of God, you know, can't do what they should be doing. Right. And the thing there is like, uh, it seemed like it just like the male intuition took over. And... Just, it seemed like someone in that period of time that you're talking about just decided, like, that's crazy that someone decided that, hey, this history doesn't matter. Like, that's the real thing that I get out of this, like, that really bothers me. Like, someone actually decided at some point in actual modern history, you know, that this doesn't need to exist. We need to put the put a blanket over this, and we need to take any factual evidence that they seem deemed as factual and erase it from history. Like, I don't understand how, um, like you said, uh, being a religion, um, how someone could just decide to take away an identity, you know, it's, that's almost like taking a life away, you know, with all that. So here's my question for you. As you started researching this, um, did the more that you found out, did this move you away from the church or did it make you stronger in the church to keep seeking out the truth? Uh, the, the latter of what you just said, I, I am definitely after the truth because nothing will um, take me away from Jesus Christ. What upsets me is that these people that are supposed to be representing Jesus, their ministry uh, does not fall in, in line with that. They've been deliberately covering up things. There's been lying. There's been deceit. And you actually, you know, I wondered at one point, well, where did all this nonsense start against women? And if you go way back, um, back in the time of Rome, of course, they, you know, they had, they owned everything. They were in charge of everything. So they had their own law and the civil law against women, uh, wasn't the best then because most women didn't have money. They didn't have the capital. So they were seen as nothing. Well, believe it or not, some of the Latin church fathers over in Italy, they adopted, uh, John Winsgaard said, this uh, early uh, Roman law. And they shaped it, in a sense, into their church law. So if you have law to begin with, which is very derogatory and is against woman, and then you bring it into the church? Well, you can imagine the theologians, they've already got three or four strikes already against woman. And you go back with the early canon law lawyers. It's just unreal. They looked at women not only as sinners, uh, as uh, women that were unequal in society, 
but they were unclean. They took a, a woman's monthly cycle and they, to them, that was something very grotesque, very unclean. So that, in a sense, was another reason why women should not be allowed to be up on the altar. And if there was some type of uh, big uh, storm, if you could have a woman's menstrual blood, if you could have the lightning hit that, that would stop the storm. If a dog went by it, that would make him mad. Um, crops outside would wither if you even had silver inside your silverware would tarnish your mares would crack I mean it was just it was totally then there were other Canada lawyers in the middle ages and they were calling women any conceivable name not just prostitutes and harlots she wolves and night wolves and whatever else a lot of blasphemy. <laughs> yes. I mean, it was just total insanity. But on, we can laugh about that. But here we are today in 2020. And women, as far as their equality in the Catholic Church goes, is not even on the radar of the hierarchy of the church. Yeah, like there's, there, like you said, to me, it seems like there's never been any point of there's nothing that evolved or came out of any of these studies, like you told me. And um, it's kind of like the issue, like you said, it, it, I hate to use this term. It's actually taboo, you know? Uh, that, 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 yeah, it's taboo. Like, I mean, um, actually, you addressing it to me today is the first time it's ever been brought to my attention because in, inside society, um, you know, and I'm just, when I say society, I'm just doing a broad generalization audience because I always have to go back to the audience and let them know that it's a generalization. Most people, when you think of female uh, priest, deaconess and all that other stuff, you look inside every other religion to a degree. I'm not going to say every single one, but we'll just use Christianity. It's, a, it's, a, it's not taboo. It's actually, um, it's actually, you know, I'm not going to say it's equal, but I want to say that it's not looked bad upon, you know, there's no, there's no true. Well, I'll take that back. I'll say this. There's no, there may be a negative connotation to it, but it's accepted. And it's a reality that there are women priests, you know, inside. Yes, and it's like, unfortunately, the Catholic church, it's like, we're back in the, the uh, dark ages, um, the middle ages, as far as, you know, they're thinking on that. And I do want to make a point to your younger generation this is the time we need your voices. Nothing is going to change in the church unless the laity, that's myself, that's any other Catholic, the younger people, boy, do we need your voices because back, say, in the 30s, 40s, there was the 50s, there was a thing called pray and obey, this term in the Catholic church. Okay. And like I grew up in the 50s, so you knew you just didn't, if you, wanted to ask something of your pastor well who were you did you have a degree in theology you just knew that you didn't ask him let alone ask what Rome was doing why they were doing it and I really seriously feel there has been this like generational divide in um, apathy and not asking questions just accepting what is 
And I as well pick it not only for women priests, but against the uh, priest sexual abuse issue. And not all, but so many of the older generation, what are you doing? You're destroying the church. Why are you questioning the hierarchy? And this one woman, I basically told her, I said, what is wrong with me speaking up for children that can't defend themselves against being raped? And then like she sort of stepped back. It's just that I think really there's just this apathy that you don't question the church. Well, of course, anyone that's in 20s, 30s, they know they should be questioning the church. And in fact, I think anyone that questions, I don't care if you're Catholic, Protestant, whatever faith life, you know, you belong to, that your faith grows. And, you know, you, you should have every right to do that. And I do want Catholics to know that out of Vatican II and that uh, <clears throat> regarding the laity, that any Catholic has the right to speak out on issues of importance. And as I said before, the only way anything is going to change is we have to get this word out. I'm trying to basically have uh, initiate a conversation, not only here in the U.S., but worldwide, to let average day Catholics know you have to get out there and you have to make Rome finally accountable for what they're doing. Well, in this case, actually what they aren't doing. I mean, they're in the driver's seat. They don't have to change anything. No one's banging down their door. But for the people, uh, younger generation of the Catholic Church, I know you want change. You want authenticity. You want realness. Yes, please <laughs> come out. And yeah. I do have a petition on my website. And I ask anyone, um, you don't have to be you know, Catholic. If you believe woman in 2020 should have uh, equal uh, equality within the Catholic Church, or you think it's a disgrace the way uh, the hierarchy took away Mary, Mother of God's title. And I forgot to mention how they did it. This was really underhanded. Who are these men or what universe were they coming from? Basically, um, this official from Rome is talking to some um, newspaper uh, person that ran what they wanted saying about they were removing a devotion to Mary. But the way they referred to Mary, it is well the way you handled this article, or this, it is well the way you It's like Mary is some type of a, an innate object. They're talking about Jesus's mother. And uh, I'll just never understand, you know, where, they're, where they were coming from. But I do have specific points. And really, it's your conscience. You know, if you see something there and I think, gee, maybe, yeah, I agree with that. I would really appreciate it if you could sign that petition because then that will be going to Rome. But I am looking for big numbers here because Rome will not do anything until we really get those numbers up. Okay, so let me ask you a question real quick. How can the audience um, 
get to your website. Can you explain it to them? Is there, uh, are there any other social media links that they can reach out to you? Because this is a really interesting topic. Um, The thing thing that that's really, and I hate to to put this kind of uh, commercialism to it. The thing that's attractive about it is like, like you said, it's an actual reform that nobody's doing. Um, It's to me, it's kind of like how different uh, groups of people tried to get rights here and there and they were unheard for years. And then at some point they were heard this right here. You're just, I mean, I'm not saying you're the only person, but you're, you're right now starting a movement that, like you said, you know, needs a little bit more momentum. Obviously that's what you're doing with it. Um, but it, it's crazy that, go ahead. We need the new blood of, of the younger generation of Catholics and a podcast host, uh, Matt Napple. He said to me, Margaret, are you David going against Goliath? And I said, yes, I'm little David going against the Catholic Church. And boy, I I can feel the, the enormity of that, the weight of that. But anyone that would, you know, like to uh, find that petition or, you know, go over to my website, it's yourradicaltruth.com. That's yourradicaltruth.com. Com. And I am also offering a, a free chapter that they can just click on. There'll be a thing that they'll see there uh, on the page if they'd like to read uh, a chapter of my book. And, and I am on uh, Amazon. And okay, yeah. uh, I also have uh, Facebook, Your Radical Truth, you'll find on Facebook. Okay, so are you moving... Are you moving in the realm of... Because, um, you know, in social media, are you moving in the realm of having an Instagram page to go along with it also? Uh, I am not, <laughs> maybe it's because I grew up in the 50s and 60s. I am not uh, tech savvy. And in fact, I have a lady that does the uh, social uh, media <laughs> aspect of this. So um, right now um, I'm staying within my my confines of the Facebook and Okay, well, here's here's the thing, though. I'm going to tell you this, and, and I always tell uh, I tell certain people this. I don't tell everybody this. You have a knack for what you're doing. Um, I think a positive thing that you can do for society is to produce your own podcast. Have you? What what stopped you from producing your own podcast? Well, again, I would have to learn how to um, whatever you do with the sound system. You know, like some people go through it and they, they like edit it and they take out if there's sounds, if there's noise. Um, and then I think there would be the worry every week of are you going to actually be able to uh, get a guest on that, that really is going to, you know, that you would pr- be proud to have on your show for your audience. Well, let me spin it around a different way. Um, there's two, di- there's quite a few different type of podcasts. What you have is in, informational. So your podcast could be singular. You, yours, I, like with everything that you have, you could get out a continuous amount of knowledge to people where you wouldn't necessarily have to ever have a guest. Huh. Well, I didn't think of it from that perspective. Because imagine this. Everything that you said on this podcast was very informative. The audience will get it. But what if it was something that you continued Maybe if you just took like a take took some time if you have it, you could record um eight fifteen minute shows 
and then periodically put them out every week. Uh, different aspects of what you're saying. I think that that would be be um, very informative for an audience also because you do a podcast and it gets out there, and um, you know podcasts people continuously listen. But if you were um, continuously getting this message out through that, that medium right there would I, I believe personally would help. Um, gain you a, a bigger audience too, along with going to your website and stuff. You can tie so much stuff in together that um, I think that it would, would push your, um, not your agenda, but would push your, this issue right here uh, through the glass ceiling. Well, thank you. I, I do also have blogs at the website if anyone's interested, you know, to see some of my articles. Okay. So, um, we'll, we'll do this real quick. Um, there's a young lady, um, and she's Catholic. We're going with a scenario real quick here. Um, where does she start to find these truths once again? Where can someone young find this truth and, and go from there with it? I understand coming to your website and seeing that, but you know, you're probably like me. There's something physical beyond a book, like work, work at a young person or young ladies start out on this quest to get all this knowledge herself? Okay, I can tell you in the back of my book, I have an extensive addendum. And it's not only the all the books that, you know, I researched, there are all other books on the subject matter. There's the latest videos. But more importantly, what they could do to start out with is go over, there's um, different church organizations there's call to action, you know, just Google call to action okay. or Google uh, future church, uh, woman's uh, ordination committee, Roman Catholic woman priest. And you're probably thinking, what am I talking about? Believe it or not, there are Roman Catholic woman priests. What happened was back in 2002 on the Danube River, there was a Catholic bishop that ordained women who wanted to be either priests or bishops. So according to the Catholic Church theology, there's something known as the apostolic tradition. Basically, it's a linkage. If you're ordained by a bishop, then there's that linkage that goes all the way back to Paul. So Ooh. now we have woman, actual woman priest, not actual woman bishops that have been ordained by this bishop that obviously this was out on a boat because it had to be so hush-hush because obviously we know if he his name ever came up, I mean, he would be removed from the Catholic Church. There's a Father Rory Bourgeois and back in 2011, uh, he spoke out again for Catholic woman priests. And he even had a, a, a friend of his who was a lady that uh, became uh, ordained by this group, woman Catholic woman priest. And he basically went to, to her uh, ordination. And that was basically the last straw for the uh, Catholic church hierarchy. But... Um, you can, you know, go online and look under Roy Bourgeois. I mean, he speaks from the heart. Um, 
you know, you want things like that that are going to move you. So I think really any Catholic woman, especially the younger generation, uh, call to action. They even have a separate division, uh, and it is specifically for uh, the younger generation in their 30s. Okay. And there's plenty of opportunities there. Okay. And Mar- Margaret O'Connor, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and being being so informative and like your message. Like, it, it moves me because, like I said, a hidden truth. Something just, like, swept under, like, history. This is crazy. Like, the, 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 there's a, a whole part of history, and it's a whole thought pattern that, that's missing. It's something that's not programmed. It's like, and I'm, and I'm not trying to be very elementary, but for my audience, imagine it, it's like this. It's like uh, waking up every day. And not knowing that you can eat breakfast and you just have lunch. Yeah, yes, yeah. And that, and that's the that, and I and I hate to to do it that way. It's like never knowing that breakfast had all these things about it that were true, like that there were eggs and bacon. And I'm just using this because it, it makes a lot of it makes <laughs> simple sense. Not knowing that there's Canadian bacon, not knowing that there's bagels, not knowing that there's orange juice and all this other stuff that is hidden inside of breakfast you know all this all these attributes all this history rich history there you just don't know you just go through life and you just oh there's nothing to do in the morning we go straight to lunch you know there's no there's no um there's no um what's the word am i looking for um there's no variety yeah there's no variety and then there's no um it's just no uh fortitude to push someone to actually think about women priests at all. Someone has molded, they have made factory Catholics, in a sense, you'd say, to, to, to be programmed almost like an android, not to even question the status quo, like you said. And it looks like when someone did uh, do that, they, were they, were they, that's one thing I wanted to ask, were they excommunicated? Was anybody ever excommunicated if they, um, as we say in the South, went against the grain. If they went against, oh, uh, yes, this, uh, this father Roy Bourgeois, he was—he's uh, no longer a Catholic priest because you know he spoke out openly uh, for women priests, and that's a whole other thing for women priests. The the hierarchy—if you ever listen to them very carefully—if they're talking about that issue, they bring in well, oh, those women want those positions because they want the power. Or they'll sneak in the word um, feminism. They're, <laughs> they give like some type of a, uh, an, an evil or not the best connotation, like to stir up the pot, to take like the focus off what women want to become priests because of their own spirituality. They're receiving that same call that any young man receives. And they have every right, according to what Jesus has said, according to what the Pope's own commission has found, uh, Vatican councils have said, and it's time that the Catholic Church hierarchy tell the truth to the everyday Catholic. And remember to the listeners, I am only the messenger. That that right there, like I said, I'm glad that you came on the show and, and brought this message. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And in closing, um, 
I would like to ask you um, to please give a shout out to anybody that helped you with this research, because uh, I know like that this like seems like this is mind boggling. Uh, it almost puts me in the in the frame of a movie. Um, you know, I could see you with a with boards stuck up here and there. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, it was a Tom Hanks movie that I was thinking of that could kind of go along with this, but uh, the Da Vinci Code. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel like they're that that you they're you could have put together a movie, but kind of I'm not saying it's the same scenario, but I made your cover up with thing, and obviously you said like throwing just different things out there to um, take your mind off of it, distractions, diversions, um, and simple diversions that would be like, oh, we can put a stop to this because it seems like this, and it's not that at all. So, um. Could you please like let the audience know, like, just just a shout out or a thank you to anybody that helped you along the way with this? If not, was this like oh, some yes. solely, solely you did on your own, or? Uh, no, I I definitely like to give a shout shout out to my uh, cousin Karen Overhoff for uh, she listened. I would basically read the whole book to her <laughs> every morning. We talk at seven a.m. and uh, she would get like. Not the whole chapter, but, you know, it go on and on and on because I wanted to get feedback. You know, how, how is she taking what I've read? Does it make sense? Are you excited? Because that's one thing. I wanted to make this a hands-on book. So, you know, Catholics and anyone that really wants to see the Catholic Church like they've never seen it before, um, to have a better grip on that. But also, uh, I'd like to thank my uh, late uh, cousin Dave Hayes, his wife Gail, she does my uh, editing when I write blogs. So these two are just, I can't say enough for them how they've helped in this process. Okay. And once again, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia Uncommonplace. And I hope in the near future that we can do a part two to this because oh, that'd be neat. Yeah, because I, I see like that there's more that we can go into uh, about this. Um, so I'll always extend that offer to you. If you have time to come back, I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, once again, thank, thank you for thank being a West so Virginia. All right, thank you for being a West Virginia Commonplace.